When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Alright, welcome. It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and the dude, Jamie Rivers. Jamie, what's up, dude? Oh, not much, man. It is that time of year. <laughs> Craziness ensues. Dude, you say not much, and I'm like, I want to uh, just call you a liar. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I am an absolute liar. I have so much crap going on right now. Yeah. It's um, summer camps. I thought, you know, hey, hockey camps end, and things calm down. Bull. Yeah. It's gotten worse. I thought I was going to get a week to kind of breathe and get my crap back together. Um, you know, and it, but I forget it's crunch time for some of those NHL guys. Yeah. And so finished up today working with the Kachuk boys again. Now, I have... Brady again next week, but Matthew was his last day today. He's headed down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, then next week, you know, the Blues have reached out to me to skate all their guys until training camp. So now it's going to be Monday through Friday on the ice every morning with all these guys and then try to squeeze in here to do, I don't know, a little radio show <laughs> that's four hours long with the fast lane. And then we'll jam in a podcast here and there. Wherever you can. Wherever we can. So, man, how do you, uh, you know, when you talk about skating with the Blues players, how do you, and I would assume there's like sort of a gradual push as the like sort of camp goes on, but like, how do you push those guys hard? But again, you know, you got to keep, you don't want to get them hurt. You don't want to wear them out. You know, I, I would assume that that's kind of part of the balance that you have to deal with when you're working with them. Yeah. You stay away from like the physical drills, right? So it's not like a defensive zone coverage or a four check drill where guys are battling and, you know, getting after it. You keep a lot of flow drills where there's a lot of skating, a lot of puck movement, a lot of shooting, and keep the tempo really high. Mm-hmm. And that's the number one thing for these guys. They want to get a 35, 40-minute practice, and then they want to scrimmage um, you know, at their own leisure. So whatever, you know, they'll set their pace for that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, you know, I'm just along for the ride when it comes time for the scrimmage because they don't need me. I'm not refereeing their game or anything. <laughs> right. Um, but no, it's, was that a penalty? <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, I don't no, None of that. That's all I need. None of the coaches are around or no, anything. No, they're not though, allowed to be. Because they can't be, right? They're allowed to be in the building. They're allowed to watch mm-hmm. and things like that. And 
which is kind of funny sometimes because now for years I'm out there running practices and the coaching staff is like staring at me running their guys through things and it's not, it doesn't bother me because I mean I'm, I'm quite fine with it. Um, but yeah, I, I actually have to credit Ken Hitchcock for that during the lockout way back in what was it '09. Uh, he approached myself and Sean Farrell and said, "Hey, would you guys you know why don't you run the guys off ice?" They're locked out. I can't be on there. Why don't you talk to those guys and put it through some practices? So I did talk to Barrett Jackman, Andy McDonald, Alex Petrangelo, David Backus was still a blue. And we started doing practices every morning. And then when the lockout ended, Hitch contacted myself and Sean and said, hey, listen, this is a wacky kind of training camp. We need to evaluate quickly with these guys. Would you guys run training camp? And we'll just be up top evaluating you know, the guys, uh-huh. I was like, well, this is a massive honor, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah, I'll do it. And so Hitch and I would meet every morning bright and early and we'd go over the practice plan. He would tell me, you know, how he wanted it executed, what he was looking for and what the teaching points were. And here I am buzzing around out there running blues training camp and, you know, basically implementing the four check, the defensive zone coverage, all this stuff, all while under the watchful eye <laughs> right, right. of Ken Hitchcock and Doug Armstrong. And it was a little nerve wracking at first, but... Yeah, I found my comfort zone pretty quickly. But obviously, if they had an issue with anything that you're doing, you would clearly not be doing it very soon thereafter. You know what I mean? It's not like they don't have other guys to do it. So what an amazing honor that that's something that you're still doing, or not even an honor, shows how good of a job you're doing, man. I appreciate that. I enjoy it. It, You know, it's a comfort zone for me. The guys, for the most part, most of the guys know me. I mean, there's obviously a couple of new guys that uh, would not know who I am, but... I'm comfortable doing it, and you know the moment you get out there and you start doing it, and these players know that you've played at a high level and you played the NHL for a long time, and that you've coached at a high level, and they don't care; they're just like, "Yep," and you're coach at that point. And uh, sometimes I ask the captains, usually, you know, how hard do we want to push it here? And they'll tell me, "Hey, today let's just have a lot more shooting, maybe you know, less skating." Mm-hmm. So I'll develop a practice plan for that. And other times, like, "Hey, this is it, man. We're like week out." Right, Get the horse is going. We got to go. And so I'm pushing. So I will all bark at him, tell him pick it up, and you know, sometimes you get a shoulder check from a young kid. <laughs> it's got to remind him quickly that, listen, buddy, I've been there, done that. Right, right. You know, I I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, you know, it really feels like this era of blues hockey began with Hitch. And with the way, I mean, those teams, man, I mean, lots of points, just some really good teams. But towards the end of his run, you kind of start to hear these stories about how Hitch wears on players. Yeah. Can you talk about that a, a little bit? And, and I mean, because like, and here's my my sort of thing, like, well, he's the coach. So chances are I'm going to friggin' get annoyed by him from time to time. When does that become a problem sort of thing, I guess? So if we take horse racing, right? Let's just, I know this is off topic, but this might make sense by the end of it. I hope so. Take a walk with me. I'm going to try. (laughs) Come along for the ride. You're dying. So in horse racing, they have a thing that they say, you can't run the horses hard every day. Mm -hmm. Because if you run them hard every day, they break a leg, something happens. It's just too much. The body can't withstand it. So they say every now and then you need to just water them down and brush them. Mm-hmm. That's it. Hockey players are the same. Think about it for a second. The game operates at such a fast pace, and it's very anaerobic because you're out there for 45 seconds, and it's like empty the tank, get back to the bench, try to refuel, empty the tank, 
Imagine doing that for the entire season every single day. What happens? You can't. You can't run the horses hard no, every day, Donnie. Well, Hitch never really believed in that. Hitch believed in going hard every single day. That if you took a day off, you'd forget something. I kind of understand because he got a lot of he listen, Hitch won a lot of hockey games. A lot, okay? dude. A he's lot. Won a, he's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, I still think he's one of the smartest hockey guys I've ever talked to. Honestly, I have so much respect for Ken Hitchcock. Where we differ is how we deploy the strategy. Mm-hmm. Where Hitch will get every single day. The Bill Belichick, no days off. That mm-hmm. whole thing. And that you know, wears on you. You get 10, 8, 9, 10 years of that guy, and you haven't had a day off in however long. It starts to wear on guys. Yeah. And, you know, Hitch was a barker. You know, and he's just always in your ear, in your ear, in your ear. It was never good enough. In your ear. And imagine just your everyday life. If people are listening to the podcast right now and you have a boss that every single day he or she is in your ear, in your ear, it's never good enough. Even when you do a great job. Okay, but next time do it's like, holy. What do you want from me, man? And after a while you start to clap back, right? And so that's what happens. The players start to clap back and Hitch likes it to a certain extent, but then the players get more comfortable doing it. And then before you know it, you've got a little bit of, I don't want to say dissension, but, you know, it's a little too much of frustration going back and forth. Mm -hmm. So that's why Hitch, um, when they say he wears on guys, it's that. It's the constant grind of pushing them to the max every single day at the same time of, you know, not really laying off the gas verbally either. And that's just a style of coaching that most likely is, I mean, I don't want to say is never going to work again, but it's very much... Not going to be the norm probably from here on out, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be able to to do that for players in 2022 like maybe you could have 20 years ago. No, you can't. No, you can't. It's changed. Everything yeah. has changed. The philosophies have changed. The players have changed. It's, everything has changed from like minor hockey through junior hockey through college hockey, all that. The, the thought process is much different. And so now you have the new age hockey player where the coaches who are old school, they've had to adapt because the new school of player is different than what they were used to when they first broke in. Yeah, and it's still, and you know what's so fascinating to me, and yeah, that's bothered me, Jamie. You got a, a like a like a, a, a thread on your shirt. There we go. I think we got her. Guns are so big, <laughs> right? Shirt, right. right. <laughs> but you know what? That's kind of I think one of the unique things about Craig Berube, man, because you know that that guy is about as hard edge, hard worker as you're going to get. But to me. Whatever he is doing as far as riding that balance between being a hard ass but then also have being a, a player before and kind of knowing that balance, he does a great freaking job at it. Or at least it seems that way from this side. No, he, he gets it, man. You know, and he's got a young coaching staff, too. You know, Steve Ott, Mike Van Ryan are younger guys as far as the coaching ranks are concerned. And Jim Montgomery was a younger guy. Um, and by no means like, you know, 20-somethings, but... As far as coaching staff, you look at some of the coaching, they've got 50, 60-year-old guys behind the bench. Mm-hmm. It's not the case here with the Blues. And uh, I think Chief does a great job of pushing guys. But he, here's the thing that Chief does that so well. He communicates with his players. So it's not like a, you know, we're sitting here and it's um, why is this guy on my butt kind well, of Well, no, thing. but it's not, no. it's not like a, okay, I'm going to let you guys make the decision. It's a more like, hey, I want to talk to the leaders in my office. How's the group doing? Do we need a day off? Are we doing too much of this? Are we not doing enough of this? Like, And he'll evaluate what they're saying, and then he'll either agree with it or say, too bad. And that's his job as a head coach is to figure out 
where you need to push the gas and when you need to take your foot off the gas. Yeah. And he does a great job. And the leadership group does a great job of communicating with Chief. The players go in, they talk to him. It's an open-door policy. Like, it really is. Yeah. Some people say that, but you know it's not true. With Chief, it is. You walk in, you talk to him, you leave, and then he evaluates. Doesn't promise you anything, but hey, thanks for the talk. Yeah. Man, that, dude, that's just so fascinating. Okay, so I thought of something the other day that I knew would make you laugh. Uh-oh. Um, and we have not used this term in a while. But do you remember, it's been a season or so okay. since the invention of the Fandango bump. Do you remember this? I do remember the Fandango okay, bump. Okay, so the bottom line, just to let everybody know, I would start trashing a player, and then that player would automatically just absolutely start to play their ass off. I think Vladimir Tarasenko might have been one of the guys <laughs> back then. All right, So I just want to let you know that the Fandango bump not only works uh, in um, – uh, in hockey, it also works for baseball because I have been MFing Corey Dickerson for the last, I would Did say, he? like a month or so. And then that guy goes on an absolute tear. And so yesterday, when he got his, you know, 10th hit and 10th plate appearance in a row or something, I just started laughing to myself and I wrote down the fandango bump. I was like, well, it's good to see that it doesn't just work in hockey, that, it, that it's good in other sports. Well, fandango bump, fast lane bump, whatever it is. Cause I don't, well, I think Corey Dickerson himself would tell you that this has not been the season he wanted. He yeah. certainly didn't start that way. And he was playing for his baseball life halfway through. And since that moment, he's been very productive. So, yeah, to your point, it's really funny to <laughs> see what he's doing because I was the same. I'm like, DFA that guy. You know? <laughs> right, right. Get rid of him. And now he goes, you know, 10 hits in a row, franchise record. Right. Two away from like the MLB from the record. MLB record. Like, oh my God. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so a couple little quick hits here real quick. One, Phil Kessel signs with yeah, the uh, with the Vegas the Golden Knights, which uh, I would have loved to have had Phil here, but I also wondered, like, that would be an acquisition that would probably scare me a little bit more if there was somebody to play goal in Vegas, and I, I don't think Phil can do that. Uh, well, no. Uh, he's an adequate player, though. You know, he uh, he didn't have a great year last year, but he was in Arizona. Right. Nobody had a great year in Arizona. I think Phil Kessel on a team that's established could be good. I actually thought he was quite intriguing for the Blues yeah. at one point when you when you lost David Perron. Thought to myself, you know, how expensive could Phil Kessel possibly be? Can't yeah. be that much. And you don't need him to be a grinder every day. You don't need him, yeah. but he's a great power play guy. He can finish. I thought, hey, you know, maybe the Blues would give him a, a look on like a third line right wing. I don't know if those discussions ever happened. Yeah. No idea. Obviously, they didn't. And the Vegas Golden Knights gave a call. And Phil, he, he will perform well on a good team. Yeah. He seems like the guy to step it up when he knows that he's in a situation well, like that and can. He's been kind of depressed down in Arizona where it doesn't matter what's going on. It just can't be successful. Hey, speaking of, and I do want to ask you something else. But if let's just say hypothetically that you were on that Arizona Coyote team that is now going to play for the next year or two. In a, in a college venue. Mullet Arena there. It's, yeah, it's Mullet called. Arena. Mullet Arena. How do you mentally kind of tackle that, man? Because that kind of would be a mind death for me. Y- you know what? Yes. But you got to not let it because you can't do anything about it. You know, it's kind of petty to think, oh, wow, I'm not out here in front of, you know, 18,000 people. But you weren't anyways. Right, right. That's true. So was it more demoralizing skating out onto the ice and having very few people in the stands? Or now those few people fill a building. Yeah, because the building will be full. Building will be half full, or will be full. It was half full at their old arena. Yeah. Now, the 
the one the where I look at it is the facility itself for the players. Like cuz the facility in Glendale where they had was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. I played there um and, and it was nice big locker room, nice weight room, the everything you need to be an NHL team. I don't know if you're going to get that here. Yeah. Cuz you're not the primary tenant. ASU is. They're going to have all everything set up properly and you're going to be like a visitor in there. So I don't know if they're throwing in some budget to be like, "Hey, look, we're going to build out our locker room so that it resembles an NHL locker room. So it was like Jacob Chickering going to have to like knock on the weight room door and go, hey, ASU guys, uh, I'm hoping that I can get in here and do my reps. You know what's funny is when I played in Boston, we shared a weight room with the Celtics. Okay. And so their locker room was on one side of the weight room, ours on the other side, and the weight room was like a Jack and Jill bathroom, you know, where you okay. walk through. So you'd be in there working out and, you know, all these – gargantuan NBA guys who are <laughs> right. walking in and you're working out at the same time. I mean, it is what it is, yeah. right? But, you know, at least both teams are professional. I don't I don't know if it makes much of a difference. Boy, it's so weird, man. It's going to be interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to talk to some of the players once it starts and find out, you know, just how they feel about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that seems to be a bit of a rumor these days is a, a potential World Cup of Hockey in 2024. That sounds absolutely incredible. Like, it's just the Olympics, right? I mean, that's the long and short of it. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it's going to be fun. Um, you know, we got to have a bet. If we're still doing this podcast in 2024, yeah. we got to do some kind okay. of Canada America bet. I'll go out on a limb here. Uh huh. I'll take Canada. <laughs> See, Jamie, I, th- I felt as though we had the teams already established as you are a Canadian and I am American. I kind of thought that you that went without saying. But Donnie, I like your game. <laughs> Darn it. If I have to take Canada, I will. <laughs> I mean, what have they ever won? Man, and I, I just tell you, I just remember, man, like some of my favorite hockey moments. I, I mean, I can still remember Peter Forsberg in the gold medal game and the penalty shots. Like that whole thing. Like, like I, that is Sean just. Sean Burke of, was, or Corey Hirsch was the goalie. Dude, just some of that stuff. I mean, just some of the most amazing memories and just wonderful hockey to watch. Yeah. So I really hope that comes to, comes to fruition. It will. It's a moneymaker. Oh, for Follow everybody. the money, Donnie. Yeah, man. And guess what? They will. And that will make good money. And that would make more money b- because they're running it themselves as opposed to if they were in the Olympics last year. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, the, the dynamic with the Olympics is really weird because they don't let you have any of the, um, the, the rights to it. So anything that happens at the Olympics, NHL teams can't use the footage or even the images. That is so dumb it, and short-sighted. It is. Um, but you know, I don't know. I think they're working on changing that. And I think they actually got really close except for there was something called a pandemic going on at the Mm -hmm. time. And they were like, yeah, screw it. The next Olympics. We've ironed out a whole bunch of stuff now, logistically, the next Olympics, hopefully when there's no pandemic, everything gets back to normal and you'll see NHL guys back at the Olympics. Yeah. That's just so much fun. And also, too, did you by any chance, because I think he just said it yesterday, did you see what Patrick Kane said about the Toronto Maple Leafs? No. Okay, so apparently, and I think that this was yesterday, and you'll have to do a little bit of work on it, but Patrick Kane was being interviewed uh, in Toronto on the air. You know, they ask him, hey, would Toronto potentially be a place, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, and he went on this, like, diatribe, dude, about how he wants to go somewhere where they have a better chance of getting out of the first round of the playoffs and, like, I mean, torched the Maple Leafs in in a situation where, like, I kind of thought that maybe Patrick Kane might potentially be good there. 
I guess Patrick doesn't want to go to Toronto, but you got to find out more about I'll that. I'll take a look was, at it. Dude, it was like, it was pretty bold because normally... At, now, at, it was actually him saying it or someone quoting No, 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 no. It was him oh, on the show saying it. Well, now I'm intrigued. Yeah, you got to be. You got to be. So, anywho, uh, we'll talk again. We'll do a Last Minute Blues podcast again soon. What do you say? Sounds good, my man. We'll do it next week whenever you get 15 minutes. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Hey, when does training camp start for the Blues? I don't know, Donnie. Okay. September sometime. September. Third week of September, I believe. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the world, yeah. people. We'll get there. It's on the website. There you go. Jeff Burton for Jeff Burton. Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango. It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.